Leonard Cohen suggested, there is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. This viral crack gives us a chance to create something new and better. So let's talk about back to different and let the light in. Maya Larson is sitting miles away and 18 inches away from me. And uh, in, in the interest of full disclosure, Maya is, is now the um, captain of the ship, as it were, of an organization which, with, with which I do a fair amount of business. But luckily, since we're not marketing anything here, there are no ethical problems there. So I would like to ask you, Maya, we had a conversation about a week or so ago, which was a great pleasure for me. And I would just like to ask you to help those who will listen to understand your story, how you got here. So take it away. Sure, sure. So I, I mean, I can start from the very, very beginning, which is, um, you know, where where I was where I was born and kind of where I came from and where my parents came from. That cool. that is helpful. Um, so I'll start with my my uh, my my origin story, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my my father was a Peace Corps volunteer in the Philippines, and my mother was working in the my mother's from the Philippines, and she was working on President Marcos' economic staff in Manila. And they met through a group of common friends and, um, you know, met and, you know, hung, started hanging out and, and, and dating and had a very, very short courtship and pretty soon after got married. And about a year after they got married, I was born in the Philippines and uh, we lived there until I was about three. <clears throat> and then we moved to Virginia, which, uh, you know, at the time, pretty rural Virginia. I grew up in Warrenton, Virginia, oh, yeah. you know, where, where that is. And, um, and, you know, grew up uh, as a, um, one of the few Asian American families in that, in that area. So not a lot of kids growing up in rural Virginia that looked like, like me or my brothers. I have two younger brothers and uh, we went to school in Virginia, grew up and then uh, went to school at William and Mary. And I still have a close group of friends that I keep in touch with at William and Mary and, uh, and actually, before I went to William & Mary, I took a year off uh, between high school and college and studied abroad as an exchange student, and I went to Sweden for a year. So my father's family is actually Swedish, and my last name, Larsen, is, is from the, the Swedish side. And so I, I, have, I sort of identify with the Swedish side of my family as well. So uh, I lived in Sweden for a year, learned to speak Swedish, and then came back and, uh, and then went to college. And as a result of, um, kind, of a, kind of a happy accident, as a result of me uh, being interested in Scandinavia, um, ended up meeting a professor at William & Mary who taught cultural anthropology. He taught a class called Scandinavian Studies. And uh, as a freshman, I was the only freshman in the class, but he let me in. It turns out he was Filipino and had studied abroad in Norway as a, as a Fulbright student and just thought it was the coolest thing that this, you know, this Filipina student had come to him to ask to be in a Scandinavian studies course. And then that set me on a path of studying cultural anthropology. So that's actually what I majored in at William & Mary. And, uh, and having that kind of social science background, I think, has, has kind of grounded me and, and my career. Do you want me to keep going from there? Absolutely. You got me. <laughs> and, um, and while I was growing up, uh, my father actually uh, 
managed a conference center, the Airly Conference Center in, in Warrington. And I grew up working at the conference center. I uh, waited tables for a while. And then while I was in college, I worked at the front desk and so had the, the, um, the customer service and hospitality background. And while I was uh, while I was working there, I think it was the summer after I graduated from college. Excuse me, <clears throat> there was a a large conference that I was able to to help out and help coordinate the conference. And uh, former President Jimmy Carter was one of the guests at the at the conference, and so um, got to got to meet him and, and actually serve him and his wife some wine, which was kind <laughs> of fun. And um, and then. I, I started looking for jobs in the in the DC area. So this is you know I did that for about a year after I graduated, and um, and I started looking for jobs. And I found a job as a training coordinator slash research analyst at a consulting firm in DC. And uh, and so uh, you know it actually kind of combined my my training and event coordination background with my research background, you know, as an anthropology major, I basically majored in research. And so um, I, uh, so I ended up going down that path and, and, uh, and my job ended up being mostly training coordination. And I was a training coordinator for a series of energy efficiency workshops sponsored by the Department of Energy. And I traveled all over the country, setting up these workshops until uh, my company basically said, hey, you know, you might be able to learn some of this training design stuff because they were the ones who actually designed the, the training courses. So they sent me to Georgetown University for a year and I completed a certificate program there to learn training design and facilitation. So I did that for a number of years, uh, left there, went to go work for another another company that did um uh, training work, but uh, other other things as well, and supported the Federal Acquisition Institute, and um, so worked there for a couple of years, and uh, and then left there and went to a, a company called ICF, and I was at ICF for about fifteen years. I kind of worked my way up at ICF, and started out um, as a training designer, but also learning to teach leadership development and management courses. So that's really where I got my start in learning how to um, kind of learning learning the content and then teaching the content and teaching managers, how, federal managers, how to be good managers. And at the time, I thought, you know, gosh, I wish I'd known this a couple of years earlier when I was managing people. Right? It's that it's that. Wow, I wish I wish I knew then what I know now. And so did that for uh, for a few years, and then in 2006. ICF won this this huge contract to help the the state of Louisiana recover after Hurricane Katrina. Right. It was this large disaster recovery contract, and my my boss at the time, who is now who now actually reports to me, Robin Radensky, <laughs> uh, my boss at the time came to me and said, "You know, we need someone to go to Louisiana for a couple of months and help out and help design the training as they stand up this this massive program." to help people whose homes have been have been damaged by the hurricane. And I said, yes, absolutely. Sign me up. I'll go for, for a couple of months. That'll be great. I'll spend the summer in Louisiana, you know, eat some gumbo. It'll be terrific. And I ended up staying for two years. And so <laughs> it was a long, it's a long recovery. They're still recovering, unfortunately. Um, but it was a, a pretty significant program um, that ICF undertook. And then, you know, I did some, I worked on some, some training programs over the over the years and then in 2013 
the um, the state of New Jersey experienced another disaster. Well, the whole Northeast experienced Superstorm Sandy and ICF won another contract. And so we kind of got the band back together and, and you know, the people who had, some of the people who had worked in Louisiana together ended up getting back together and going up to New Jersey and supporting the state in their recovery efforts. And uh, so I led the training management or I managed the training efforts for that program as well. And then um, I'm not, you know, after, after that, it's kind of a blur. I sort of, you know, <laughs> took on more responsibility uh, and led a, led a practice uh, related to um, uh, change management, strategic planning. And then I got, you know, I got, I was volunteered <laughs> to work on site at the FDIC. I spent three years supporting the FDIC's change management efforts in their uh, in their chief information officer organization. So, uh, over over the course of my career, I'd also done some software training, and so so blending together my my training skills and my change management skills, uh, you know, all came all came together, and then I got an offer from a, uh, a, a my previous manager who was in a new position at ICF, and ICF started a a new disaster management division. And my my old boss became the line of business leader, and he asked me to be his deputy because it was such a, a huge undertaking standing up a new line of business. And that's where I learned the bulk of my business management skills, I guess you could say, outside of kind of the, the technical areas of, of training and facilitation and change management, I learned more about managing the, the business and then was there for a couple of years when, when I got the call from colleague. And here you are. Here I am. <laughs> here you are. You know, so many um, congruences. Um, I love New Orleans. It's the only foreign country you don't need a passport to get into. <laughs> I really, I've probably been there uh, 20 times. And I spent a lot of my childhood in New Jersey. And we used to live in a place called Mantaloking. Mm -hmm. which was pretty well obliterated by Hurricane Sandy. They created uh, two new inlets were created by the storm that were, that were not there before. Um, I've done many a retreat at the Early Center. And I wonder if at some point when I was doing retreats out there, if I walked by a desk and you were there or if we passed in the corridor. That's uh, very possible. Very possible. Well, we... Um, we wander around, right? And you said happy accident. And then things, if we're, if we're open and if we're animated by passion, I believe, stuff shows up. You know, it's, it isn't like, you know, we are the world. <laughs> but I think that's how things work. And, and one of the things that, that I see in you as you speak is that you're passionate about what you do. And, and uh, that, that sense of um, connection, I think, gives us a whole different way to live than if we see our work as simply something we have to do in order to put food on the table. <laughs> so um, let me ask you a question about, about who you are. Um, I see your sense of service. I see your sense of discovery in this 
however you want to define a crazy time in which we find ourselves, whatever, tsunami, earthquake, you know, superstorm, whatever is the best metaphor for you. How do you see in your new thing that you're doing now? Because I've known colleague folks for a long time from, from ICF and from a whole bunch of different directions. How do you see from a, from a, from an opportunity perspective, this new thing that you're doing? That's a, that's a great question. I think that, I think that this has been an interesting time to start a new job, certainly, and to start one with, with, you know, so much responsibility. And um, I think that it goes back to my, my kind of sense of adventure and ability to, um, one of one of the things that I, I think has allowed me to be successful over the course of my career is my ability to adapt and be flexible. And I would say that this is this is this is not this is not different <laughs> in my new role and trying to uh, and what excited me about it was the ability to kind of shape the direction of an organization. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, kind of influence where we wanted to go. And it's also exciting because, you know, we're starting a new, new, a new administration and not to get into politics necessarily, but the, the fact is that, that the impact of a new administration has a lot of, a lot of ripple effects across government and it impacts what we do in terms of supporting government clients and, and how we do it. And I, I'm kind of excited about the prospect of, of what the, the change in administration brings as well. So it's, it's actually great timing for me to, to be kind of changing roles in, in this environment. Do you, do you miss the um, classroom thing? Because your, your, your role now is a supervisory leadership role, right? Right. That's right. That's oh. right. So I'm, you're right. I'm not in the classroom anymore. Not as much anyway. So how much do you miss that part of your existence? Oh, I miss it a little. I've done a, a little bit of classroom training over the years, either in person or virtual, actually more virtual uh, lately, obviously. Oh, yeah. um, but one of the things that, that I've done in the, so I've been at Colleague about a month and a half now, uh, just for context. And one of the, one of the first things that I did when I came over was to make the decision that we would migrate our, our shared files that were on our server to SharePoint. And I've been an, an avid SharePoint user for years and years, but it's, it's part of our, our IT resiliency, um, kind of a move to make our IT infrastructure more resilient and to have files available in the cloud so that when the server goes down, we're not kind of scrambling around trying to find course materials and things like that. And so uh, as part of that rollout, um, we we're also using Microsoft Teams. And so as part of that rollout, I actually have been leading all of the, the brown bags in and teaching my team how to use Microsoft Teams and, and SharePoint. So I've, from that sense, and it's not, you know, it's not true training where we're, you know, doing exercises and things like that. It's more of a demo, but getting them comfortable. So it's kind of blending the change management piece with the, with the training piece. So in that sense, um, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a lifelong learner. I'm also, I think a lifelong teacher and I love to develop other people. And so I, you know, in this, in this context, I'm, I'm developing their technical skills. Wow. From um, <clears throat> okay, it's six years in the future. Five was too easy. 
And and uh, you have been behind the wheel, at the helm, in the office, whatever metaphor works, which is important. But um, and colleague has morphed. Colleague has changed because you know change happens whether you like it or not. So one of the things we can do is go, okay, what can I do? So how would you like to see the sort of emerging colleague? What would it look like that is further along than wherever it is now? Mm-hmm. Excellent question. And so I think that there, there are actually a few areas, um, you know, related to opportunities that we have now. So one, um, I, I don't think virtual training is going anywhere. One of the things that colleague has been able to do very, very successfully, and I don't take any credit for this because it happened before I came <laughs> along, um, but, but colleague was able to, we were able to take our our um, classroom courses, our instructor-led classroom courses, and very quickly pivot them to online learning. And I don't think that that will be going away anytime soon, even as you know people start returning to work or start returning to, to in-person you know, at some point in the near future. So I can see us continuing um, with the, the virtual training, but maybe expanding it, maybe changing it as new technology comes along or things like um, you know, virtual reality and augmented reality, other ways of delivering virtual training. Um, I'm reading a lot of articles about, about those kinds of tools and techniques now, and it, it's you know, kind of exciting the, the implication of the, of the way to apply virtual learning and having a, you know, if you're, if you're doing simulations, for example, being able to simulate an environment where someone is learning a particular skill, especially if it's a high risk, environment that in real life that they have a, a safe place to, to learn that skill and practice it and, and mess up and and then do it right before they have to go into the real world and and do it for real in a dangerous Absolutely. And, and though though sometimes it feels like COVID has been here for two decades <laughs> this is new this yeah. is that mm-hmm. this is new yeah. I mean I remember I'm old enough to remember when when we moved away from the mimeograph machine as a, as a primary teaching tool, I can I can still smell whatever that solvent was from the mimeo, and and how shattering it seemed to some people who hated it. Sure. So, so I am back in school, as you know myself, and I've noticed no no offense to the institution where I'm going to school, but about half the virtual classes I'm taking are just boring face-to-face lectures on a screen, which means they're even worse, which is yeah. hard to believe, but but they are, they're, they're god awful. And a few of my teachers, professors, however you wanna frame them, have gone, wow, this is really cool. Why don't we try this? And, and we're off and running. And I think one of, the, one of the beautiful things about this time, not to make light of the horror, this comes with it, is that it has democratized learning in a way that it has never been before, if we can see it that way. Yeah, absolutely. And making making learning accessible to more people and, and not having the the constraints of, of travel or you know thing, things like that. And I think that's I think that's really important, especially for especially for kids. I can't even I don't have kids myself, but I can't imagine you know, I, just, you know, talking to friends who have kids going through 
the their education online and some of the challenges and struggles that they have. I think there's there's ways to to improve that as well. I just don't think anyone was prepared to implement this those improvements right away. Right? We didn't think we'd be in this as long as we have been. Well, and maybe that's a good thing, is that we have had this you know slap, yeah, uh, to 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 help us change. I mean, I've, I've been a, a teacher one form or another my whole life and always been excited when I got an insight about the process of learning that changed how I, I saw it, which means it changed how they saw me, which means it changed how we, we, we built our, you know, little learning community for the, the time we had. And I think this, this thing is such such a place for us to stand back and go, well, that never worked before. So mm-hmm. why do we think it'll work again? Yeah. And I, I would guess that uh, you have the same kind of faith that I have in, in the curiosity of human beings as a species. It, we love to be challenged. You know, kids in schools are not over challenged. They're bored nigh unto death they are. So what a great time for us to challenge our own stuff. I mean, even small stuff, like if, if if I'm doing a class and like we can all see each other, we're all on the screen, we're using Zoom or we're using MS Teams, if we can see each other, we're all exactly the same size and we're all in the same plane. So I'm not standing in front of the class, which I never did anyhow, behind a podium while they're sitting in their little desks, you know, no, 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 no. We are on the same surface on this, you know, my, my rectangle doesn't get to be bigger because I'm the teacher. And, and I have seen in this past year, but I've been doing virtual stuff for actually for almost 12 years is that people participate at a much higher level in virtual sessions for me, that's my experience, number one. And number two, they tend to get to the point faster. Interesting. Interesting. Well, and I had the, I had the pleasure of actually sitting in on one of your classes. So that's how I, I got to know you a little bit, um, even though you hadn't met me yet. And um, I was, I was pleasantly surprised to see uh, how engaged students were and, and the participants were. And I think, you know, part of that, you know, is, is, because of your facilitation style, but I think you're right. I think it it um, kind of makes people kind of be be on and um, create a create a space that that allows people to kind of get to the point faster. Yeah, <laughs> and participate if you make it engaging enough. And isn't isn't that a, a sort of basic human need is to be engaged, mm-hmm. and and yeah. to, and and to feel safe. As you said, feel safe to make mistakes in in this in this virtual place that that we can make. Once they realize that it's okay to screw up, you know, all of a sudden they're like, "Well, I've, I've got an idea." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And well, and one of the first things you know that you learn, or at least that I learned as a as a trainer and as a facilitator, is you know, one of your, your priorities is to create a safe space for people in the, in the classroom, right? So you have, you know, sometimes you do this by setting up ground rules. And one of my ground rules, especially in, um, you know, leadership or, or particularly supervisory 
and right. management courses is the Vegas rule, right? What's what said what's said in the room stays in the room, but that goes for the virtual room too. And so you can kind of create that that safe space that allows people to to speak up and really uh, talk about what what's on their minds and what they really need to get out of that training. And then I think that they don't just take back the content. You know, I understand Peter Senge and the fifth discipline now. Okay, that's that's content. But I think that they also take back the almost subliminal experience of what it's like to be in an environment where we're all equitable. We all have things to say. Everything adds those kinds of things. And I'm guessing that that's what you bring to colleague as however you want to define your role um, is that you've got that same sense of discovery. Yeah, I would, I hope so. I hope that's what I bring. I hope that's what my, my team feels that I bring. I, um, I, I know that my management style is different from, you know, from the previous president, Mike Cook, who's the, the owner and right. is now CEO of Colleague. And, um, but I, but I hope that, well, one of the things that, that I felt very quickly when I started at Colleague was that, you know, I, I've been asked questions about, well, how's the culture? And, you know, is it what you thought it was going to be right after I joined? And I said, you know, it's, it it's, strangely, but in a really good way, it feels like I'm home. And I really feel like I've been embraced by by the folks at Colleague. And granted, I knew many of them or some of them before I came because I, we'd worked together previously in, in other other jobs. But, um, but you know, the, there, there are also a number of staff I didn't know before. But um, I feel like I've been I've been embraced very warmly and and given a, a chance to to show what uh, what where we can go together, which I really appreciate. It's a good fit, it seems to me. So my so. limited understanding of the universe. So we had we had talked very briefly before about kids. Now you have two nieces. I have two nieces and a nephew. I have two younger brothers, and one has two girls, and the other has a, a boy. And, and they're all under the age of three. Oh, fabulous! <laughs> what a what a blessing! Tiny, you know, little children are right because you never have to wonder what's on their mind. For one thing, right? Yes, no filter, no filter at no all. No filters, kind of like your a cat in the morning, right? You know, yes. like, hmm, I wonder if my cat wants something. No, 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 your cat will tell you. So down the line, um, I don't know, how do your nieces and nephew refer to you? What, what do they, what do they call you? They call me Aunt Maya or Auntie Maya. Auntie Maya. Mm-hmm. Okay. So some years down the line, um, you've moved on to something somewhere and they have children mm-hmm. now. and their kids come to them one day and say, you know, our teachers told us that the year 2020 was like really pretty intense. How did Auntie Maya deal with it? And what would you like your nieces and nephew to tell their children about how you dealt with 2020? Oh my goodness. Um, I, that's a, that's an interesting way to frame that question. I love it. Um, I, I learned a number of things in 2020 and I am very fortunate in that I didn't 
have some of the hardships that a lot of other people experience, right? I had, I had a job that I was able to, I had a very good job that I was able to, you know, work remotely and continue doing that job. And I ended up, I think, working a lot more hours as a result, which was fine, which was fine. That's the nature of, of the industry that I was in. Um, and learned a number of things about my my husband. My husband and I have been together, we've been together eight years, uh, but we've been married for a little over two. And so one of the things that we learned was living together in a in a um, a small apartment in Arlington, Virginia was not gonna was a little too cozy for us while we were living yeah. and working in the same space. And uh, so we actually were, you know, one of the people that moved during 2020 and uh, moved into a bigger a bigger space in Fairfax, Virginia, which was nice. And so we, you know, love our new space and the, and the cat loves it, which is of course the most important thing about the new space. Um, so we we know we learned learned a number of things about ourselves. Um, but I think I think resiliency is going, you know, will be a theme um, coming out of 2020. Resiliency, flexibility, patience, having a lot of patience and figuring out ways to to do things. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't know if you can tell, I'm a fairly social person. I love to socialize. I love, you know, yeah. I have a, a core group of friends that I'm very close to that I love to get together with and a um, couple couple groups of friends, actually. And, um, you know, obviously haven't been able to do much of that. We were able to do, when the weather was better, a couple of socially distanced outdoor in-person activities, not not many of those. So we, we do a lot of Zoom calls and things. But one of the, one of the things that, that not being out and about and socializing all the time has allowed me to do is, is make time to connect with other people that I hadn't connected with in a while. And so I had another group of, of friends from school that, that I you know, hadn't spoken with or hadn't, hadn't gotten together with in a number of years. And now, you know, we've gotten together over Zoom a couple of times and found excuses. So that's been really nice. And, and having the time to, to reach out to folks that, I, that previously when, you know, I was just kind of working all the time, never was able to make time to do. So I think, you know, like I said, I think resiliency, patience, and, you know, kind of patiently waiting <laughs> to, for, for life to kind of to see what's, what's next, because I don't think it's going to return back to the way it was. I'd be surprised if it did, but I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what, what the post-COVID world looks like. We're not far apart on that one, I must say. Whatever lessons we have to learn or choose to learn right now about flexibility and agility and resilience and patience and acceptance. Um, I've noticed one of the things that I've done, which I always used to do, but then I got out of the habit was become more painstaking in the things I do slow down a little bit, mm -hmm. take a little more time in enjoying the process of everything, you know, walking my dog, cooking a meal. It's just this sense of, I, I, don't, I don't have to push as hard, I guess. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but I don't think I've lost any excitement by that. What I've gained is more of a sense of it's okay. It's okay. And as you said, we have food. Most of the problems you and I face and uh, people in our position are first world problems. Yes, and, my 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 internet is blinking out every once in a while. That's yeah, like, I know. That's oh my, God. my biggest source of stress in the middle of the 
<laughs> one of the tires of my car is a little low. Right, oh, right. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and we're still laughing. And we're still yeah, laughing. Yeah, and absolutely. as you said, it is not going to snap back. Um, and so wherever it snaps, every day we get a chance to uh, to be a little better at just at just being here, so that wherever it goes, we can be of service because we can't be of service if we're just afraid, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, and I think one of the other things that that happened in 2020 that that affected me, and I think affected a, a lot of people, was um, the sort of awareness about. Um, you know, in particular, Black Lives, Black Lives Matter, and the, and the Black Lives Matter movement, and and by extension, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and how important that is. And I think that's another thing coming out of 2020 that I hope I hope folks are are paying attention to because I know I I am paying attention to it certainly, and and looking you know in the near future about opportunities to be able to uh, to work in that in that space and engage with others. I think you're right. These kind of simmering issues, which have been here for our entire history as a country, for sure, have kind of boiled over a little bit. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's about time, wherever you stand politically or socially or whatever about these, it's about time we made the adjustments that are necessary so that so that these are just not fracture points, but suddenly become resources for us to 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 move forward and like be be better. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Maya. That wasn't so bad. That was it. I feel like an oral surgeon, right? Well, that didn't hurt that much. Now did it? <laughs> well, yeah, it did actually, but no, uh, what a pleasure. What a pleasure. And there will come a time when we can get out and about and then we'll do things like, Oh, let's have tea. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I would I would love to have in in person real life engagements with with folks. Well, yeah. and now yeah. I I formed a picture in my head which we always do of your husband. Mm -hmm. So when we meet, I get to say just what I thought or I go, "Wow, where did I get that idea?" <laughs> <laughs> I'll be curious to see if it if it meets up with your uh, your expectations. We'll see what happens next. Yeah. Um I'm very grateful that you were able to find time for this. And I, and I look forward to whatever happens next. Good. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for, for talking to me and inviting me to, to do this. This was a fun way to spend a, a President's Day morning. That's right. It is President's Day. I, I, I tend to lose track of what day it is, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a, have a great rest of your Monday. And uh, we'll talk again before too long. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Mac. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for giving us a listen. As we move forward with this situation, with this thing that's us, let's never forget that we are all in this together. No matter what else happens, we're all in this together. Thank you.